Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Showing Up to Your Life podcast and YouTube channel. Here I am again with no intro, <laughs> just winging it as I've been known to do. <laughs> so I hope that you, uh, I hope that you're all doing well. I hope that you're having a, a day today that is is um, that you're meeting the day with presence, with curiosity, with acceptance. And most of all, with compassion and kindness to yourself and towards everyone else around you. In fact, to the world itself around you, the inanimate objects in your life. I hope that you're showing all of them the kindness and compassion. And I hope you're showing yourself that same kindness and compassion. And if you're not, well, then this is an opportunity. Right? That's the whole thing about all this work that we talk about here. All these practices that I talk about here. It's really just about seizing opportunities, right? Like when we feel we're in a place of dysregulation, that's an opportunity for us to return to regulation. When we feel like we're spiteful and angry at someone, that's an opportunity to return to kindness and compassion for that person. When we feel like we're in the grips of, of, of resentment for someone, that's an opportunity to practice forgiveness for that person. Now, the thing is, I talk about all these other people out there, right? But you're not doing these things for them. You're doing it for yourself, right? Because kindness and compassion, as I've said here a few times now, these things are good for you. Yes, they're good for other people too. And that's, that's a bonus. Let that ride. What the heck? Why not? But they're good for you. They, they literally promote integration within your brain, bilaterally, vertically, and they promote through the, the vagus nerve, they promote integration and regulation of all of your systems, all of your major organs, all of your, your cardiovascular system, your digestive system, your immune system, your lymphatic system, your reproductive system. They are all going to benefit from you acting with kindness and compassion. Again, whether that's for your glasses that appear crooked on, uh, on QuickTime um, or a notebook that you tend to just throw around a little bit, right? You can be kind to those things. The notebook doesn't care if I'm kind to it or not, but it helps me to be kind to the notebook. It continues to promote integration, which promotes regulation, which promotes well-being. So I want to talk about a an opportunity that happened to me just the other day. And this is, um, I actually just posted a uh, TikTok video about this this morning that I was really reluctant to do. I have not been this reluctant or hesitant or apprehensive is probably the best word about for it, about a video in, I cannot, I don't think I've ever been this apprehensive about doing a video. I'm trying to move my mic out of the way so you can see my beautiful um, heart t-shirt there we go uh this is the the logo of a of a sanctuary farm out here in colorado uh called the loving arms sanctuary farm so anyway i don't think i'm going to be able to let you see it for the whole time because this microphone is in the way but I'll try to work on that somehow uh, but um talking about kindness and compassion right and so anyway let me let me tell you this story um <clears throat> so the other day my son and i were walking we you know one of the beautiful things about i i know i've told you all this before but just fyi my wife and I, well, my wife really has been homeschooling our children since way before it was cool, right? Way before the pandemic came along, we were already homeschooling them. Now, of course, 
I'm now the one who homeschools them while my wife works full time. It's all good. But uh, but one of the things that the, and, and that transition happened during the pandemic, right, where I took the reins and started homeschooling them. My wife got a job, that kind of thing. I work from home. So it just worked out that way. Right. And um, and so uh, so during the pandemic was when this shift happened. And one of the most you know, when they say, oh, what's the, the one positive thing that came out of the pandemic? Well, the one, one of the positive things for me personally is that my son and I have taken a walk every single day. I mean, just about every single day since the beginning of the pandemic. And that's really beautiful. It's a 10, 15 minute walk, nothing earth shattering, but that's 10 or 15 minutes that he and I get to every single day we get to forget about all the video games. We get to forget about all the work. We get to forget about all the, the stuff that's going on. And we get to just be together and talk about like Pokemon and, and talk about uh, TikTok videos and to let him tell me dirty jokes that he's, he's learning that he doesn't even understand yet. <laughs> And I laugh at him because he's laughing so hard he doesn't even understand, but he thinks I'm laughing with him, so that makes him laugh harder. It's really a beautiful situation. And so... So the other day we were on our walk, <clears throat> I believe it was Friday afternoon, and um, <clears throat> and when we were almost home, we were about to turn our, our corner, you know, we were on our block, going to turn the corner, you know, and about, say, 50, 100 feet in front of me, a man was approaching us, right? Just another person walking on a sidewalk, right? There was nothing about this man that, that seemed to me to be threatening. There was nothing about him that seemed scary. There was nothing about him that seemed anything out of the ordinary at all in my conscious mind, okay? But in my conscious mind, I will also acknowledge that he was a black man. And a black man of, you know, a certain age, I guess 18 to 35, whatever you want to talk about. That's the demographic of person. Now, again, consciously, we could have been a, an old white lady <laughs> as much as it could have been a young black man, right? It had no conscious ref, you know, resonance with me at all, which is why it was very surprising to me when I found myself as this person was approaching towards us and my son and I were walking towards him, I found myself reaching out for my son to pull him closer to me. Now, it could have been a coincidence, right? It could, and, and I do this all the time with my son. I constantly reach out, I constantly hug him, I constantly put my hands on his shoulders and, and, and tussle his hair and I give him kisses and I tell him all the time I love him. So, so it could have just been coincidental, right? But the last thing it was, was an explicit thing that was going on. My belief is that if it wasn't just a coincidence of just timing where I just happened to be, you know, pulling my son close to me just for the heck of it, right, at the same time that this black man was approaching us, if it wasn't that, then what it was, in my opinion, in my estimation, is that it was an implicit memory, left over from my admittedly racist parents, okay? My parents were quite racist their whole lives to this day, right? But they're the kind of racist that they, they, they're not outwardly racist, but, you know, they tell the jokes about a black person or they tell a joke about a, a you know, I'm not going to say any derogatory um, um you know, terms here, but, but, but that's what they'll do. Right. But, but, Oh, they're good. They don't really mean it. Right. Yeah. BS. Right. And that's the thing. 
So I'm willing to admit that there was possibly some implicit things going on there. Now, just so you understand, the implicit versus explicit is conscious versus unconscious, right? Implicit memories are, are, are memories that are stored in our nervous system, right? Again, from when I was a very, very young child, my mother probably grabbing my arm, and, you know, when a black man would walk past, right? That created a an implicit memory in my nervous system, which is completely outside my, my whole realm of understanding, consciously, completely outside. But it doesn't matter because that motion, my reaching out to my son and pulling him closer to me was no different from what my mother did for, with me as a child except that the intention wasn't there. My mother, it was probably very much an explicit thing. But for me, it was not. It was an implicit memory. But either way, what the person approaching us, now 30 feet in front of us, the way he experienced what I did is called a microaggression. Now, my white privilege has shielded me from microaggressions my whole life. Okay, they do not apply to people who look like me with my skin color and my demographic upbringing. And these are the things, the microaggressions that I've never had to deal with are things that people who, you know, black, brown and, and Asian people have to deal with on the daily in our country of America. Now, I know there's some Europeans on my uh, listeners here, and I don't know this, the full extent to which that happens in countries of Europe, but we all know that the United States has a deep, long, and ugly history around this. Okay? <clears throat> and so, so what that person sees when he sees a white man drawing his son close to him, he sees a microaggression. He sees somebody who is estimating him based on his skin color. And that is the root of racism that we need to undo. And that's where, you know, racism feels very pernicious and very systemic, right? But here's the thing, right? And this is the point of this story that I'm telling. And I'm really, really hesitant to tell this story because I do not want to come off as some kind of pandering white savior here. That's not what I'm doing. Okay. In fact, that's the reason why I almost didn't do this video, even this one. Really almost didn't do the TikTok video because those people don't know me the way you people know me. We don't have the same intimacy that you and I have, right? And I might lose some followers over it. I don't know. Whatever. It's okay if I do. That's not the point. But the point is that I do not want to come off like some kind of white savior because that is equally as, well, not equally, but that is damaging just in a different way, right? So we can't, we can't look at it in that term either, right? But what we can do is we can be aware. As I've told you many times here before, the practices that I talk about in this podcast, and, and for all of you who have stepped up and worked with me personally, you know who you are, and I'm so grateful for you, and I'm so happy to be involved with your progress, your healing, your the process of you adopting these practices because I know how much it helps. But the thing is, all of these practices are geared towards one thing, and that is deepening our awareness. 
about whatever, right? Because we all have different things that it will help us to become aware of, right? And implicit bias, implicit racial bias is one of those that many of us share, okay? And that moment when I, when I was aware of the microaggression of pulling my son close to me, even though there was no threat at all, right? That, when I brought awareness to that, that's when it became an opportunity, just like I started out this segment with, right? When I said, let the, the stress be an opportunity to come back to practice. Let the, you know, whatever it is that you're experiencing, that can be an opportunity, it can be a signal that you got to do something here. We got to practice something here. We got to do something. And so in that moment, that's what I did. I took that microaggression that came from a very implicit, unconscious place. Once it was within my conscious awareness, now it's an opportunity. And the opportunity was to turn this implicit racial bias if we were sitting in a room together, I'd say, who has a guess to, as to what I'm going to say it turns into? What do we pivot towards from the implicit racial bias? Through awareness, what are we pivoting towards? We're pivoting towards empathy and compassion. Because remember, the first thing we got to do when it comes to compassion, the first thing we got to do is we got to notice it. We got to say, whoa, this thing I just did cause pain for this person right here. And this person is a human being. He's a, he's a beautiful, wonderful human being. And he deserves all the compassion that I deserve. Right? And so once you notice it, once you have empathy for how someone else might feel, you take their perspective and you put yourself in their shoes for just a moment and you say, wow, that must have hurt him. Now we can lead into compassion from that place of empathy. And that is exactly what I did. So just so you know, and again, this is not me being a savior. This is me telling you how I, how I handled it so that maybe it gives you the idea of how to do it too, right? But there's also another lesson I want to tell you about this too. What I did in that moment <clears throat> was, again, what's the opposite of, of implicit racial bias and this microaggression? The opposite of that is empathy and compassion. And so I, I looked the guy dead in the eyes and I said, hey, man. I said, I said something like, hi, hello, hello, hey, man, something like that. And then he answered with like sort of the roach, you know, canned, like, yeah, how you doing? And he was like continuing to walk. At this point, we're passing each other. When I said hi, and, and he said, how you doing? And he's already behind me at this point. And so I turned around and I said, oh, thanks for asking, man. I'm doing really well. And I hope you're doing well too, brother. And that made him stop. And he turned around and he goes, thanks. And I said, hey, bro, I hope you have a great day. Again, eye contact the whole time, body language. You know, at this point, we're already like 15 feet away from each other. I probably would have offered him a hug. I mean, that, that's how I felt at that moment. Again, I'm not here being the savior. What I'm showing you is that that's how we transform something that's, that's steeped in hate, transform it to something that is, that is filled with love, okay? 
And the point that I'm making here, one of the many points I'm making here, I guess, is that at that moment, when I said, I hope you have a great day, I wish I could show you the smile that spread across this person's face. And, and whether he noticed the microaggression or not, I don't know, right? But if he did, he went from something that was a very heavy heart to now he had this beautiful smile on his face. And so I smiled, and he smiled brighter, and I smiled brighter. And then we went along our ways. It doesn't have to be anything more than that, right? Like, that's the thing. It doesn't have to be a big deal. Just like the microaggression is something very small but very, very hurtful, kindness can be very small and very, very helpful, right? Or, or the opposite of hurtful, right? And so not only did I, you know, this pivoting, this, this noticing the, the, the microaggression, which is steeped in the implicit bias, not only noticing that, but then pivoting and, and doing the opposite, right? I helped him, I helped the guy himself, right? Because he walked away with a smile on his face that he didn't have before, right? So there we go. Mission accomplished, one mission accomplished. I put a smile on someone's face and that's a beautiful thing no matter what. But something else happened that's very, very important, which is that my son saw what I did. And so where my mother and father created this implicit bias that was steeped in hate and ignorance, now my son, his implicit memories are going to be steeped in empathy and compassion. And that matters, folks, because, you know, racism, especially here in the United States, right, it is a, it is a, a, a cultural thing. It is generational trauma. It is systemic trauma. If you are born in America with a certain color skin, you are already traumatized. Even before you come out into the world, you're already traumatized. That's why black people have much higher rates of, of high blood pressure. They have much higher rates of uh, mortality, you know, early mortality. They have, you know, all, all on and on and on. This is all steeped in the trauma. And so it's important that we all play our role here, right? It's not my fault that all the racism started, right? Just like it's not my fault the way my parents traumatized me. But the healing is my responsibility, and the healing is your responsibility. It's our shared responsibility. And that's just one of many ways in which mindfulness and compassion can change the world. It starts with you, and it starts really, really small. All right, everybody. I'll see you in the next segment. Hey everybody, welcome back to segment number two on this Wednesday, October 20th. By the way, my 12-year-old daughter becomes a teenager in five days. <laughs> I am not ready for this. Oh, I am ready. It's okay. It's all good. But it's just, gosh, it's such a, a huge... I didn't think it would affect me this way, but I saw the date today. I was like, oh my God, we are less than a week away. Like, Wow. I hope that wasn't offensive that I said that that term. Oh my! I should have said, "Oh my goodness!" I please forgive me if I if I if I um forgive me if <laughs> if I uh, offended you in any way. I don't mean to laugh at that either. But um, so 
let's talk about, you know, in the last segment, we talked about this implicit bias, right? And so implicit bias, right? What that means is that it's something that lives in your nervous system, right? It is not something that lives in your conscious thinking, right? And I think that's really important to understand, especially because it's going to relate to a lot of other things in our um moment-to-moment -moment existence. Sorry, just putting my hair up because it just got a little warm in my office. It turned the heat on a few minutes ago. Anyway, um, for all of you on the podcast, you're like, what the heck? I don't, you know, whatever. <laughs> I apologize. Um, so, so the thing is, right, the way that the, one of the ways in which implicit biases and anything and any memory that's implicit, and this really ties into trauma, right? Because that's what trauma becomes. Trauma becomes an implicit memory, right? Which is something that is stored in our body. It's stored in our nervous system, right? It's stored in our brainstem and all kinds of, not the brainstem really, that's a different kind of aspect. Stored in our nervous system. Let's just leave it at that. Now, <clears throat> when it's stored in our nervous system, what that means is that it can be just a little tiny thing. It can be, and, and we're talking about trauma here, right? Not necessarily just the, the implicit racial bias that I talked about before, which is part of trauma, right? It includes trauma, it envelops trauma. But what I'm talking about is any kind of trauma, right? It lives there implicitly. And what that means is that just any sensory in, uh, stimulus including a thought, just a random passing thought, can trigger this implicit memory, right? That's why out of nowhere sometimes we get, you know, we, we kind of relive the trauma a little bit, right? Now, if you're lucky enough, if you're part of the 80% of, of the population who has not experienced childhood trauma, well, beautiful, or adult trauma, beautiful, I'm happy for you, but this still applies to you, right? In, in kind of, in the sense, and this is where I want to get into the brainstem. So, so there's a, a very um, sort of common understanding, right? That, that okay, you hear a, a loud bang, a car backfires outside, right? So you hear it. Now, here, here's the way that we believe it to happen, right? We hear the backfire, we feel the emotion of, of fear, and then we move, right? It's actually not the way it works, ironically, counterintuitively. It's not the way it works. The way it really works is that we hear the thing, we jump because of the thing, and then we experience the emotion of fear. Okay, now this, this describes or this involves something that uh, Stephen Porges, who is the author of the polyvagal theory, right, he would call this uh, neuroception, right, which is essentially the way that your nervous system, and in this case, the brainstem is very much involved with the, the brainstem is your fight or flight. Right. And that's the same same mechanism that the lizards have. Right. Every creature on the planet, every complex organism has the same kind of thing. Right. And, and it's in the brainstem in all vertebrae animals. It's in the brainstem. Right. Where that fight or flight. And the thing is, the fight or flight is not a response to any conscious mental or emotional activity. It's a response to something that your nervous system sees before you see it. 
which is intense, right? I mean, that's really cool to me, right? And that's what happened in that implicit bias moment that I talked about with the microaggression. Now, again, I still am not totally convinced that that just wasn't some kind of coincidence, right? Like I might have been reaching for my son coincidentally, right? Like I saw the guy didn't really register anything because again, I mean, I grew up in New York City, you know, I, I, I've had like, there's been literally, and, and that's not to say like, oh, I don't see color, you know, no, that's, that's the opposite. I very much see color, but I've, I've experienced so much interracial, um, you know, uh, social interactions that it, it literally, there's no way that it explicitly consciously worries me, Right. Because of my experiences, because of my background. I mean, literally, since I could walk, I had, you know, I was surrounded by people who were different from me, you know? And so so I do not have a, a conscious fear of them, right? But again, because my mother and father and their mothers and fathers and their mothers and fathers and their mothers and fathers all had this sort of, you know, stream of, of otherism, that it's in my nervous system, it's in my brainstem to do that, right? And so it's very possible that that's what happened, right? Now, here's the thing. Why is this important? How does this apply to mindfulness art? What the heck are you trying to tell us here, man? I'll get to that. No problem. <laughs> Remember what I said in the last segment, that it's all about seeing opportunities, Right. When we are truly present, which is to, is to say that we're not, you know, we're not walking around with our minds filled with, you know, oh, this shouldn't be doing this way or I wish things were different or gosh, things, you know, I got to take care of this thing in the future or, or, or I'm so ruminating about this thing that happened in the past. Right. When we when we let go of all of that through practice. Right. Because it's not something you can just say, oh, I'm going to be present doesn't work that way because of the same process that we're talking about, right? Your your autonomic system is not going to allow that to happen every time, right? Because it's it's reacting to things, right? And so so when we when we can quiet all of that noise in our mind and we really become present in the present moment, we come grounded and 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 steeped into this present moment, that's when we can notice things, right? That's the whole idea. Because again, the, 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 the thing that made me grab my son, whether it was a coincidence or it was an implicit bias, racially based bias, it was something that happened without my acknowledgement. And it's not like it asks permission first, right? It's not like you get this like, oh, I'm going to reach myself. Oh, wait, no, that's a microaggression. I can't do No, that doesn't happen. It's just like the brainstem. Like the brainstem hears the screeching tires and it, stops you. You do not have any control over that. You are at the mercy of your nervous system in that sense, right? And that's the beauty of it. Your nervous system is doing that work for you. So now with your mind, you can recognize it. But again, you can only recognize it if you are truly present, 
if you're wrapped up in thoughts, if you're, if you're, if you're, you know, kind of, you know, again, like worrying about work tomorrow, worrying about, you know, let's get home, son, because I got work to do. I got to, you know, make dinner. I got to do, you know, if I'm thinking ahead and living in that future or living somewhere in the past, I'm not going to notice these little microaggressions. I'm not going to notice my brainstem doing its fight or flight thing. And therefore, I miss all the opportunities because that's what it is. As soon as you see your nervous system reacting in such a way, that becomes an opportunity for you. Just like the opportunity with that microaggression became an opportunity to practice empathy and compassion and to illustrate and model that empathy and compassion for my son and, and change the world. My, I just put my little teaspoon of change into the world, right? But this happens in all kinds of areas, right? When you're driving down the road and somebody, you know, cuts you off, right? That, that, feeling you get in your body, right? That's automatic. But if you recognize it, that's your body saying, hey, 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 here's an opportunity to grow, to heal. Because you don't have to react that way every time somebody cuts you off. And in fact, if you do, then you're relinquishing control. You're no longer in the driver's seat of your life at that point. Because you know what? People are always going to cut you off. You're always going to pass people who are not the same as you. You're always going to experience difficulty in this life. You can't get away from it. Nobody gets out of this thing without some level of suffering and some level of difficulty and without reactions that we regret and without, you know, things that make us feel shameful and guilty and all of that. But if we allow it, and, and this is where the acceptance and the curiosity comes in. Remember I said this when I started the first segment here, I said, I hope that you are meeting the day with presence, acceptance, curiosity, and compassion and kindness, right? Like the curiosity and the acceptance is the key there, right? Because if I'm the presence first, right, if I'm really present about it, then I see that that microaggression. I'm just going to use that as an example again. Or, but we could use the cut, getting cut off on the road too, whatever you know. But I see my reaction, right now. If I if I'm not curious and I'm not accepting of it, then what I say is, oh, well, the guy had a bandana around his head, so you know, <laughs> who knows? Maybe he's a gang member. And that's BS, right? That's just a, a an emotional, um, you know, justification right? That is born out of a lack of acceptance and certainly an absence of curiosity. But if instead I accept with compassion and curiosity, everything that I'm experiencing, everything that I'm doing, everything that everybody else is around me doing, well, then it allows me that freedom to see, whoa, 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 that's not cool what I just did. I don't have to defend it. I don't have to explain it. I don't have to justify it. I can simply change it. I can simply notice it. And I can do better. And whether this is a, an ex experience of, of implicit racial bias, or it's somebody cutting you off on the road, or it's, um, you know, whatever it might be, missing a golf shot, you know, whatever it might be, 
the opportunity really i mean i know i say the opportunity is just to find a way to 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 you know to kind of come back to what you're trying to do but really the opportunity is it's it's an opportunity for you to bring awareness to the source of your suffering because that's the thing yes the the black man suffers when you commit an act of microaggression but you suffer too because it causes stress in your body and that causes uh, consequences, right? Because in that moment, if I wasn't present, I wasn't, you know, maybe my son is telling me something, I'm not really listening, because I'm really watching this guy out of the corner of my eye, right? And so by addressing that, by, by bringing it from the implicit right out into the explicit, put it out in the sunshine and see what happens to it, curiosity, right? Acceptance, presence, when I can do that, well, now things change. And now the next time I pass a man who doesn't look like me, maybe I don't have that implicit bias. And maybe in that moment, I can consciously just be kind without that, which I do anyway, but that's the idea, right? But then again, like I said, the opportunity was that I taught my son a very, very valuable lesson in that moment without saying a word to him. I did not instruct him. I did not say, hey, watch me do this, Casey. I just did my thing. And you know what he said as we're walking away from that situation? He says, he says, that's why I'm such a nice person. Because of what you just did. Ten years old, yo. Ten years old, and he already recognizes that. The trajectory of, of his life is different because of the work that I've done, because of that opportunity. So please do not diminish the importance of these little opportunities that come up. And that's the thing, as John Kabat-Zinn says, as I tell you all the time, John Kabat-Zinn says, life is the curriculum. That man walking by life provided him into my life so that I could apply what I've learned. And in applying what you learn, you embody that, that knowledge, that learning. That becomes your implicit understanding, your implicit memory. You see how that works? All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening today. Thank you for watching. Thank you for being there. I just, I love all, I love this podcast. I love the fact that all of you are out there listening to me. So thank you once again. Uh, it really wouldn't happen if it wasn't for you. So thank you. And, uh, and I'll be back in tomorrow. So as always, if you have any questions about this or you want to, you know, throw out a comment about it or whatever, hit me up. I would love to converse with you because I'd love to connect with you. All right, everybody. Thanks again. I wish you well. and I'll be back in tomorrow. Take care.